everyone. Hi, hello. Welcome to another exciting episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I'm sitting here in the studio on an unseasonably wintry, stormy day where there's something called an atmospheric river storm. Two people have already weaseled out of an in-person show <laughs> this week. And when I say weasel, I mean it in all caps. <laughs> Hi, Tony. Hi. Did I not fucking call their weaselation? You did. They you're weaseled not, on yeah, out. You texted not me to call them weasels. <laughs> I did. And then you're like, yeah, it's crazy this week. And I just said, no. That's when I went to all caps weasels. So I was like, don't you take their side. Yeah. Look, you know, I was trying to, I was yeah, just trying to, to play the middle man, you know? I yeah. know. That's my least favorite quality of yours anyway. <laughs> one of. <laughs> <laughs> What's my other one? I have too many to mention. You have yeah. a guest here. <laughs> I'm just waiting to be, you know, announced as a non-weasel who did show up. Non-brave, courageous non-weasel joining us today. She is an author. She is a mother. She is a musician. And she has written the New York Times bestselling Buzzy Tome, More, a memoir of open marriage. Please put your hands together for Molly Roden Winter. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks you didn't have me. Thank you so much for coming. And you didn't even like try a soft. You didn't even like weaselly test the weasel waters no, by it, being like, hey, is there any? How would you, you know? In fact, I like re- happily rescheduled. Right. If because you we, were, we yeah. were supposed to do it at one before two weasels <laughs> stuck their weaselly heads out of the ground like groundhogs yeah that's right and mm-hmm. so here i am and i even took an uber i didn't even have, have my own car yeah. and i used an umbrella mm-hmm. and i made it were you worried though <laughs> at any point were like, you like oh no she's scheduling to four that might be in the high of the, the i mean excuse me the eye of the atmospheric <laughs> river or whatever that is you know i feel like in three days i've kind of taken on the la reaction to rain okay. and, I, and now <laughs> i'm kind of like terrified of it too but <laughs> somehow i've braved it and right. I don't know how I'm going to adapt to when walking in the back. elements I know. in Brooklyn. Well, that's the thing is that, and Tony and I were talking about this before, I was not worried about it at all when Weasel One emailed me. <laughs> I hope they don't hear this. Guys, I love you. Emailed me. I, well, they, they won't identify themselves as Weasels. No, People right. always think that's, that's kind yeah. of the key in my book, too. Right. You know, nobody's actually going to recognize themselves. Exactly. Because they're like, oh, God, what a horrible, right. horrible person. And I then can't I'm believe like, she dated you. that guy and then me. Yeah, um, right, right. That loser. Right. So I didn't even know what she was talking about with her concern. Um and then I looked at the news and I'm like, oh, it is being presented as apocalyptic. Right. But it doesn't feel that way. It just feels like a little drizzle. Now, who knows? By the time you hear this, this whole studio might have washed away. <laughs> I mean, it's a deluge. That's it what they're is, calling it. A yeah. deluge. You don't hear that word every day. No, no. And I feel, you know how, I don't know, how, like, I don't know how on TikTok Gen Z you are. My kids are Gen Z, so I'm Gen Z adjacent. But People I say, feel like that makes me extremely not Gen Z when I say my kids are Gen Z. Right. <laughs> well, I know some Gen Z people. Do they say Delulu? Have you seen that? Like Mm-mm. for deluded? 
Delulu is like fun diluted. And I feel like there's got to be a way to like combine Delulu and Deluge. I'm going to work on it. And it's one of my favorite ways to torture my younger son is to like co-opt lingo and then use it really incorrectly. Oh, yeah. Do you have like an example? Well, like I was trying to like, I kept saying dab, but uh, like dab, dab. (laughs) I was never sure how to say it. And then I would do it in a way that was just wrong. Mm-hmm. and But I would do it very publicly in the streets of Brooklyn. <laughs> and he loves that. that. He loves that when I do that. Did he say, miss me with that noise, <laughs> mom? Um, okay, so let, so your book, the huge response, very yeah. zeitgeisty. Crazy. I don't know. I don't know quite what happened because it's not like I'm the first person in an open marriage ever. But I will say I wrote the book in part because I was not seeing any stories like mine. Mm -hmm. I was not hearing a truthful telling of what it's like to open a marriage when you also have children. Mm -hmm. Um, Most of what I was seeing were either childless people or fictional characters. Mm -hmm. That's a big one, right? And I'm getting compared in certain (laughs) publications to like, you know, polyamory like Shiv on Succession. Oh, or, you know, but I'm like, she just asked for an open marriage. And then Tom said, no, I you know yeah, what I, I mean? Her as poly- I didn't know. I don't know. She, I, I, there's been two articles where I've gotten like lumped in with Shiv, which That's I find so interesting. Like, I'm like, she doesn't exist. You know what I <laughs> right. mean? I'm like, it's, yeah. but I think because my story, um, my story is resonating mm-hmm. in some way. And that's exciting because your hope always, especially when you write memoir, is that your story will resonate with other people. And I feel like when you write as honestly as you possibly can, you get closer to the universal human mm-hmm. experience. Do you think people are relating to the uh, open marriage part or relating to you as someone sort of striving to figure out who you are? Yeah, I mean, the latter, I think more, I think just population wise, I think there are there are a lot more mothers than there are mothers in open marriage, right? <laughs> right. So I'm getting messages from both. Um, but lots of moms who are saying you are making me feel seen in terms of just like, the ambivalence I've felt around motherhood or mm-hmm. the way in which I have felt like I needed to find some freedom for myself. Um, just giving ourselves permission as mothers, I think, to to be whole people right. is is the main message I have in my book. I mean, among others, but my my hope is not people are joking as they read this, they're like, oh, this is not actually a manifesto. Like if you read my book, you might be less likely to have an open marriage because it's it really was hard. sad at times. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. I was sad at times. I mean, but monogamy is sad at times, too, to <laughs> Life be fair. Life is sad. Yeah, Life yeah. is sad. Being a human is sad. Right. So any story that... No, it was a real, like, warts and all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, telling of the reality of dealing with that many people. I was just like, I'm exhausted. I know. I'm exhausted by how many people she has to deal with. I know. And, you know... To be fair, I was exhausted before we opened our marriage. You know, my kid, my youngest, like, never napped. Mm -hmm. So I was exhausted. And I just would like, I chose to be exhausted somewhere else some of the time. But I was still, it wasn't like I was, you know, having this restful, blissful, you know, experience. And then I just blew it up. Mm -hmm. I was already feeling like I was, speak of eye of the storm, I felt like my life had become so chaotic and I had no sense of who I was 
that this didn't come to me as like an idea for, oh, I know how I'm going to get in touch with myself. It was the whole way it happened was kind of chaotic. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's been more in the retelling of this story that I've made more sense of how I got from point A to point B, because the story spans 10 years, and the book ends six years ago. So I wanted to tell the story of how I went from, you know, lost Mm -hmm. to finding myself ultimately. And for me, marriage, open marriage was the path I took. I don't think it's the only path one can take. But I think there was something in that that gave me the freedom and space to look at myself and to think, what do I want Mm -hmm. outside of marriage and motherhood that I hadn't really given myself that chance to think about? And what did you find that it was that you wanted? I think I needed to to come home to myself. I needed to not outsource my happiness. I needed to take responsibility for my kind of what I was thinking of as my bad shadow self. Mm-hmm. We we talk, you know, I'm hearing a lot more about the shadow in a lot of the, I think that's the next big uh movement in the zeitgeist. We're going to talk about our shadow self. And I think, you know, women's sexuality in particular, we're we're made to feel like it is both our value Mm -hmm. and the thing to be most ashamed of and that we should and and that we should shut it down when we are married. So when you have any kind of I feel like um, the idea that sex is a way in to figure yourself out is is real. I open the book with an Audre Lorde quote, which says, um, the erotic is the nurturer of all our deepest knowledge. Mm. And I, I think there's something to that, that we have to go into some of the places within ourselves that feel kind of forbidden in order to unlock some deeper truths. Growing up, what did you think about monogamy? I mean, I assumed my parents were monogamous. I found out when I was 28 that they were not. Um, that's a spoiler for the book, but you find out pretty early. And I I didn't really give it much thought. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think we're taught to think about it. I think it's the default setting for heterosexual people anyway. I think part of the reason that you see non-monogamy more frequently in you know, the queer community is that everything's a negotiation from the get-go. There's no like this is the way right, right. Th- it works. It's like, okay, if there's a same-sex marriage, it's not like the mom's going to stay home with the kids mm-hmm. and the dad's going to go make the money. And I know in some ways we're moving away from that dynamic, but COVID, I think, showed a lot of women that that dynamic still very much exists, mm-hmm. that w- women are the caretakers. and um, But so I, I didn't question it. I didn't think about whether or not I was going to be monogamous. That wasn't like on my mind. Right. I don't even think I really would have thought about the word. Mm-hmm. I don't think I really knew. I didn't give it any thought. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's some things as I was reading the book that I was thinking or picking up on and wondering, am I picking up on stuff or is this baked? Like, did you as a writer put it in there for the reader to pick up on it. And I'll just give you an example of that. Um, I suspect it's the latter because you're a really good, you're a really good writer. And, and I think that the, you know, part of the book is a sort of a journey of Mm self-awareness. And I feel like you 
clearly wrote it from a self-aware place. But at the beginning, I was just like, she is very angry at her husband. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I talk about my anger towards my husband in the book. There is, there's one scene in couples therapy where I really let loose. And, uh, I think part of that anger, um, I think part of that anger is, is bigger than our marriage. Mm. I think part of that anger is about the expectations that, that women also place on themselves because of, what we're taught in our culture. Mm -hmm. So, you know, my husband might have said, you know, you don't like, we could get a babysitter, you know, and I'm like, no, we can't, you know what I mean? I I, I felt this, I put a lot of pressure on myself to be kind of the ideal mother and to make a kind of ideal home and to work. I was working full time for at least several of the years of my kids being little. Um, so I think there was anger that this situation existed um, and also anger at my husband that he could free himself, mm-hmm. that, you know, even going to work, working late was for him. It it just felt so much freer than my life once right. we had kids. Right. But partly it was because he didn't he didn't feel guilty when he wasn't home. And I did. Um. I just want to read just a a short thing. Okay, so there's this guy that you meet near the beginning and you feel very drawn to and your husband gives you permission to go. I don't know if permission's right. Permission. No, I mean, I asked, you know, I asked because I I did feel like I couldn't do this without my husband's okay. And we had talked about that in, in advance of getting married. Right. So, okay, so you get a text from him, have fun tonight, baby, I'll be thinking about you. And then you say something about his message irritates me. Does he think this is all for him? Mm. Can you explain what was going on there? Yeah, well, I mean, my husband and I talked about the possibility. We didn't use the term open marriage when we got engaged in the 90s. Like, I don't know that we really knew that term. But he said to me um, before we got engaged, you know, if you ever feel like you want to sleep with somebody else, you can. It's not a deal breaker for me. You just have to tell me about it. And there were a couple different aspects to that. One was that I I think part of it was really for me because he had had a lot of partners mm-hmm. before we got married. He was five years older and just had a lot more years that were single. I had had the same boyfriend for four and a half years and then met him, <laughs> you know. So you I also went to high school at 12 and college at 16. Yeah, so I was you were, really yeah. young. My sister had a baby when she was 19, when I was in, when I was 16 and I think part of me was like terrified of sex mm-hmm. too. So I like was I put off sex as long as I could because it it seemed like a scary right. thing that could end your life. I mean, not that my sister's life ended, but it felt scary. So my husband kind of felt like, you know, there's no way you're going to be okay with only sleeping with me forever. But at the same time, it was an easy thing for him to offer to me in some ways because it kind of turned him on, mm-hmm. the idea of me being with somebody else. Did it, in that, like before you got married when he said that, did you realize maybe this is something he's into? Yeah, we had done, and I talk about it in the book kind of more in a flashbacky kind of way, but we had done like a few things that mm-hmm. were like like a couple trips to a sex club, a threesome with his ex girlfriend who was bisexual, but none of it really worked for me. Mm-hmm. 
in the same way that open marriage ended up working for me. And it took a while for me to figure out how I wanted to do it and what it what it was going to look like for me in a way that was going to feel good. Um, but initially, when it was just kind of about the sex, I that's not what I was really in it for. But I, I had it long. It took a while for me to admit that to myself. Mm-hmm. I thought I was just like, oh, yeah, I'm going to have sex and it's going to be great. But I I wasn't having a good time with the casualness of it. Mm-hmm. What I really look for is connection. And so it took a long time for me to really figure that out. Um, and at that moment, the part that you just read, I wasn't there yet, but I was starting to get a glimmer. I was mm-hmm. like, whoa, you know, I don't want him thinking about me. I want this to be for me. I right. want this. I want this to. I don't want to have to like report back on mm-hmm. how this night went mm-hmm. because that feels then it, it like cheapened it somehow for yeah. me. So you know it, but it, it's not like all of those thoughts were fully formed in my mind at those times. I wrote the book in present tense after scrapping four or five drafts. Um, because I needed to get into that headspace of where I was at that time and not like overlay it with my, you know, late 40s, mm-hmm. early 50s sensibilities of, you know, what I've what I see now looking back on the story. You know what I mean? I think I wondered, was any of it a fuck you to him? Mm, sure. And that- and then because he was so into it, you're like, whoa, no, 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 you're yeah. not. Yeah. You yeah. think it was. Yeah. Okay. I think so. I think so. I think there were a lot of um, fuck yous being thrown back and forth <laughs> between yeah. us for a while. And not in a way that's necessarily unhealthy even, mm-hmm. you know. I never really saw my parents fight. Uh, Stuart, my husband, did. His parents were fighters. My parents were not fighters. And it's a, it's an interesting thing. Like, I... I am a big believer in fighting now and I'd rather I'd rather now say fuck you mm-hmm. than do a fuck you act right than act it out. Yeah, and so I think um we now like often end our our arguments with like a high five because we're like <laughs> we're like damn, that was a good argument. Like we're getting so efficient with it. <laughs> you spend years sometimes like having the same argument Mm. over and over and over again in kind of different forms without ever getting underneath what's there and i feel like part of what happened with open marriage is and and the ultimatum i ended up giving my husband like we've got to go to couples therapy or we're closing the marriage Mm -hmm. and it it's so funny because other people will be like we have to go to couples counseling or I'm out of here. And you're like, we right. have to go to couples counseling or we're going to be super committed to each other. Yeah, I know. Well, here's the thing. I never have wanted, I really have never honestly, deeply wanted to leave my husband. Mm-hmm. I've always felt like he's my person mm-hmm. and like we can grow together. But I felt like we were hitting these roadblocks with communication in the open marriage. And what it came down to was, I was getting angry and upset about things he was doing, although I had given him permission to do those things. Right. And so you're talking about you felt jealousy about the people that he was dating and the jealousy and insecurity Mm -hmm. and how dare you make a date on Thursday, even though I also had a date on Thursday, but right. my guy canceled and now you should, ca- you know, it was like not all and it's logical. So well written in would be interesting to know if men could relate to it as much as 
as women who are reading it because I certainly felt the gut punch even though mm-hmm. like I felt the gut punch of him having a date or him doing whatever you're doing yeah like, it was very visceral. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that came through because that's what it felt like yeah. some of the time. But I, I knew we had to get some help if we were going to do this. And he, his argument was always like, when I said I wanted to close the marriage, he was like, Molly, you're going to change your mind. And he was right because mm-hmm. anytime I met someone new, I would. And, and I do feel like, and I'm, I was able to, um, tell this, you know, by, by looking at 10 years and, you know, I'm, I'm several relationships beyond where the book ended, but my relationships got incrementally, I got clearer with each relationship, I think, about what I was looking for. Mm-hmm. And it was less about the men than it was about my being kind of like becoming a sexual subject instead of a sexual object. Uh-huh. You know, my being able to voice, this is what I want. This is not what I want. Um, and, and that clarity has grown. So Stuart was not wrong when he was like, you're going to change your mind. And it was true. Neither of us ever threatened divorce because we've always said to it, you know, I, I think our marriage is better now than it ever has been. And we're 24 years in, you know, and I think we went through these things, not because we were not in love with each other, but because we needed, I know what I needed. I won't speak for him, although I do think there's some similarities in, in what he got out of it. I just needed space away from my, away from these roles of mother and, and wife to, to figure some things out. And I, I didn't want to blow up my marriage, but I didn't want to, um, I didn't want to just go along with the open marriage in a way that didn't feel good either. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. I didn't want to. And in some ways, I think we should have gone, I'm sure we should have gone to couples counseling no matter what. But that was like my way to get (laughs) you know what I mean? It's like when you say to your husband, like, yeah, we can go to your parents for Thanksgiving, because deep down, you're like, because we're going to my house. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, we do that in marriage. It's a negotiation. And sometimes it's an above board negotiation. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you're doing a little bit of string pulling underneath. Um, and I think that kind of, you know, th- there was some mutual manipulation perhaps happening. And I was trying to be honest about that, too, and not sugarcoat mm-hmm. anything. Um, but I think we're more we're 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 pretty darn straightforward with each other at this stage of the game. Um, are you are you guys good at separately spending time alone? Stuart has always been better at spending time alone than I have. I've I've had a real and that was part of what I had to get comfortable with. Mm-hmm. I was realizing that when he was on a date and if I didn't have a date, especially as my kids got a little older and were a little more independent, I was feeling kind of like lost and mm-hmm. angry with him for not being there. Um and I realized uh, there's, you know, Byron Katie. She, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The is, turnarounds. Is true or, yeah. Is it yeah. true? What's more true? And it was things like um, she has you do these turnarounds. So it was like, Stuart needs to spend more time with me. And then you chest, I need to spend more time with Stuart. And I was like, no, that's not true. <laughs> I need to spend more time with me. And I was like, whoa, that mm. one's true. I need to spend more time with me. And so that's in the book, you know, I, I start doing some other things. That's when I took up guitar and started singing. And when I started boxing and just kind of being mm. with myself in a way that 
with time that wasn't spoken for by someone else, Mm -hmm. with time that wasn't filling a need that someone else had. Um, and it, and it kind of took me getting to a low place with my jealousy and insecurity in my marriage to look at that and to really try to do something about it. There are some relationships that you talk about in the book that, um, are, would you, would you say degrading is fair? Yeah, I think so. But I, I would say kind of mutually degrading. I feel like it takes two to be degraded. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. So I can't lay it at the feet of someone else degrading me if yeah. I was allowing that to right. happen. Right. Maybe degrade. Well, maybe de- degrading is not the right word, but there's a couple, well, like Laurent. Yeah. And but now I'm forgetting exactly what happened with Leo. But there's a few where it's just like, oh, the, no, fuck these guys. Yeah. No. Um, and I'm wondering, and I, I imagine some might be like composites, but of all of the various relationships you had, which do you have anger towards those guys? And also, like, which one do you feel like was the worst? <laughs> <laughs> Laurent's the worst. Laurent's the worst, for sure. Um, I don't have anger, though, because I feel like every single relationship I had taught me something, mm. you know, and that was my mother's message to me throughout was like, don't waste this opportunity to learn about yourself. You know, it's it's neither good nor bad. You can you can live your whole life in a safe little house, right? And never venture out and also never learn about yourself. Mm. Um, you can live a dangerous life and do all sorts of crazy to self-destructive things and never learn about yourself. The goal is no matter what you're doing, to pay attention. Mm-hmm. What does this mean for me? Why, why am I doing this? And how does it make me feel? And am I going to make some different choices moving forward? And that is what I think did happen. So I don't have regrets or anger. I feel glad that nothing dire happened. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm also glad I've never been hit by a bus. You know what I mean? It's like, I live in New we, York. We, could, we all share that. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's like, people say, how could you do it? You know, it's so risky. But um, I, I feel like, again, life is risky. Mm-hmm. I, I was feeling like I was pretty, uh, pretty into being risky at mm-hmm. that time. I was yeah. tired of being safe. Um, and it, it did work out in the end. But yeah, Laurent was pretty awful. Um, I am still friends with, um, and, and you wouldn't guess this based on the way things went, but, um, I have, I have maintained a friendship of sorts with the Matt character. Oh, yeah. Good. The, right. Right. He was one of the good ones. Right. Yeah. And then also Scott. The one who got divorced at the end and wanted me to leave my husband. Oh, yeah. Um, but I always did, you know, I loved him. He was one of the, you know, the mm-hmm. first people that like, I really was like, I love you, but I also love my husband. And it was, for me, it was this heart expanding thing. And I think he is monogamous by mm-hmm. nature. And right. not that people who are, are really, you know, born one or the other, but I think he, that's what he, pref- he wants monogamy and he wanted right. monogamy with me, but he's not, he's, he's a, he's a sweetheart. You know, and and we care about each other, and we has he found someone else to become monogamous with? Yes, and then no. You know well, what, what I mean? mean? It means like he found somebody, and, and then, then that, that ended too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. He certainly came on strong. 
Yeah, no, he absolutely did. And I think there was something about that. I talked about him as like, like putting me on a pedestal. Mm -hmm. And that's the way my husband had made me feel early in our relationship. And it's intoxicating. But then you realize, oh, you know, that's, that has its limits. There's, there's, it's a setup. Yeah. And there's, there's an immaturity to, to Mm -hmm. that kind of imbalance. Well, so, you mentioned The Ethical Slut, yeah. which I've never... Do you know this book, Tony? I've heard of it. Um, I have to tell you, I had this woman, Jade Catapretta, who's a comedian on my show, and she had just come out as pansexual, right? Huh. I can't remember. I think so. I think so. <laughs> I'll need a, a refresher on, yes. on what that means. That was the Zoom era. So I, oh, okay. Yeah. Blocking that out. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> we were just talking about we ugh. Zoom. Uh, Zoom was a tough. It was a yeah. tough pandemic. But anyway, um, she was talking about ethical non-monogamy. She was talking about the apps and ethical non-monogamy. Yeah. yeah. And that's the first time I I've been married like almost ten years, and that's the first time I had heard that term. But she was like, "Ethical? Have you guys heard of?" ethical and then you you were like ethical non-monogamy and i'm like everyone knows about this but me <laughs> nobody told allison and tony had been married you had been divorced for a little bit by that yeah, point but you were and not I yet was in a like relationship. A t- yeah i was attempting to to uh date yeah. so i'd seen a lot of those like abbreviations I that i would then have to be like what does that mean I right look it up and, yeah. i know well it, it made me go my god i've been off the market and a married I've been an old married person for so long I had no idea the world has changed it but has anyway um I brought that oh yeah yeah you mentioned the ethical slut which is like the bible for ethical yeah. non-monogamy um and I found myself thinking I would like to read it because you talk about how it talks about NRE new relationship energy yeah and I was like even as someone who's not really tempted to to open up my marriage at this point i'm i'm interested to read this book because it sounds like it holds a lot of insight into just how relationships operate and things yeah i think it's i i loved it and it's been updated a couple of times they've done like new you know um new versions um there's there's also i think uh polysecure mm-hmm. is a really great book as well about the open about you know relationship structures and attachment styles right um oh, interesting yeah so there i there's more than that out there yeah. now there's another one called open open monogamy um but i feel like i i didn't have any of those resources mm-hmm. when we opened our marriage in 2008 you know and there were there weren't dating apps right. and when they started coming out you know they didn't add ethical non-monogamy to the drop-down menu right. to like 2015. <laughs> oh. And so it's been like, you know, we had to kind of figure it out right. for a while. I know why I brought it up because being on the pedestal, I think, is new relationship mm. energy. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. I feel like when um, when you've got like a really complete sense of self, mm-hmm. um. I feel like that kind of dissipates some of the new relationship energy. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it comes in because you weren't feeling whole and somebody else filled you up. Yeah. I mean, twenties and into my early thirties. I know. Well, that's me into my mid forties. You know what I mean? I was trying to get someone else to like complete me. It's like that Jerry Maguire bullshit. (laughs) You complete me. Like that run if somebody says that to you. That's what makes. For me, that's what made all that's what made relationships with men like a drug for me mm-hmm. because it was like I'm not particularly happy in my life and I don't know that I'm even aware of that mm-hmm. and I don't know how to begin to get into do the XYZ. 
And then a guy pays attention to me and all of a sudden it's like, I'm like the dopamine hit. Yes. And, And then, and this is actually what got me into therapy when I lived in New York, I had been in in therapy a bit in California and then mm-hmm. I moved to New York was not in therapy. And then someone was, someone said to me, the second you like a guy, you lose yourself. Mm. And it was so true. Like the words didn't, they made sense, but they didn't, but mm-hmm. it was so true yeah. because all of a sudden my entire attention was like, folk, I was obsessed with maintaining his interest in yes. me. And, and I mean, I, and then he said this and then I said this and then he said this, what do you think? I mean, yeah. it's just like, yeah. No, and, and you went through that in your 20s. And a lot of women I talked to did. Mm-hmm. I didn't. Right. Because you because you had met your husband. Well, yeah. I mean, I was I was with my my previous boyfriend from age. I didn't really have a boyfriend until that, you know, until I was 19. Mm-hmm. And then I dated that guy from 19, age 19 to 23. And then I met my husband. Right. You know what I mean? So I didn't date ever. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't gone through that process. Um of figuring that stuff out. And so I did go through that stuff mm-hmm. in my 40s. And, you know, who's to say if you in your 20s maybe could have found a different way to do that? But isn't it interesting that so many women in their, you know, teen years or 20s mm-hmm. go through that process of dating kind of like the wrong guy or oh, people yeah. who treat them poorly mm-hmm. as a way to figure that and it and it leads them closer to themselves? Yeah. I never did that. So Maybe open marriage is really only like a very important thing if you get married super young or, (laughs) you know, if you've never done that. Mm -hmm. Because I, you know, I got married at 26, which isn't like a baby, but I met him when I was 23. Mm -hmm. And it's, I was pretty naive and naive about myself too. But now you're sort of on the other side of that. Yeah. But you still... Yeah, have an open marriage. That's true. Um, yeah, so the guy I'm dating right now, I've been dating for over three years, and he's in an open marriage too. And what's lovely is, and and then I have the occasional, you know, nobody that's like casual, I would say, but um, I, I've dated enough people now that like I I know, you know, I've got I've got people that like kind of come in and out mm-hmm. of my life, and it doesn't always have to be sexual, but it's kind of like. Oh, that could happen, mm-hmm. you know, which is fun when you're just like going out for dinner, like, oh, that could happen and it would be okay. <laughs> you know, there's, there's, there's some excitement to that. Um, but my current boyfriend is very different from my husband in some ways and very similar in others. But part of what's fun is that, um, you know, I just get to kind of uh, flex different parts of myself with each of them. Mm-hmm. Um, my my boyfriend's like in hospitality, and we like go to really great restaurants around the city. And his wife lives in a different country, so he, I just I get to like kind of like have like a, the single Brooklyn experience uh-huh. at his place with his dog and whatever. And then, I, but then I have like I love my life with my husband, and I wouldn't want to move out. I need to get a boyfriend who's in video <laughs> editing. <laughs> That's I know. what my life needs. <laughs> right? I know. Like if and and also yeah, just like being like being um cooked for, like he cooks mm-hmm. for me sometimes. My husband can I can't cook, he can't cook. There's like <gasps> something so nice about that. And then yeah. my husband's girlfriend loves to go to Costco, and so does my husband. They're both like very suburban at heart, and so they like go off and do all the grocery shopping together. It's freaking amazing. So <laughs> I'm like, we we have these other people who enrich our lives and don't diminish from what we get from each other at this stage. So just in terms of logistics, how do you figure out 
who sees whom when. At this point, our kids are grown, you know, they're 19 and 21. So I don't, and partly because I've gotten so like comfortable with being alone and being myself, like my husband and I make plans with each other, as opposed to assuming the default is that you're going to be available for me all mm-hmm. the time, right? So if I'm like, oh, sweetie, will you come with me? Like I'm I'm doing an open mic on Wednesday. Will you come? You know, I'll be like, sure. And I'll put it in his calendar or whatever. But um and we have Saturday nights as kind of like the Standard. sacred mm-hmm. date night. But if something comes up, it's not like we I don't flip out anymore. Right. Um we we just kind of work it out that way because also but when you have kids, it's very different, right? And you have to like when your kids are little and you have to like manage all of those things. So I think part of all the conflict we had early on was because of parenting at the same time, you know, and it was uh, and I yeah. felt often like the the mental work mm-hmm. of planning <laughs> fell to me. And in large part, that was because I'm better at it. And like he's ADD and yeah. was not medicated at the time. Now he is. So at the time, though, like he he'd be like, yeah, we can do that Tuesday. And I'll be like, you are going to be in L.A. on Tuesday or like and he's like, I am, you know, like it's like his business partner is married to my best friend. That's how we met. So I would always like ask my best friend, when is Stuart traveling for work? You know what I mean? Because like he has no idea. Right. He's just bad at it. Yeah. And it wasn't malicious. He's just really bad at the planning part. Um, If you weren't, this is this is a thought experiment. Mm-hmm. If you weren't married to Stuart, mm-hmm. might you be inclined to be married to like to your boyfriend? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I love my boyfriend. I think he's kind of married to his work. Mm-hmm. I think that's his like t- like he owns That's his ve- primary. Yeah, he's in hospitality. He owns venues in Bushwick. He loves it. And like he likes to uh, you know, he likes that the the possibility of being out at his club until four in the morning on Saturday. If you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like I feel like I would still have my boyfriend as my boyfriend, but I might have another boyfriend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he's also he's never been monogamous with anybody. Like he's And does his I don't know if you can does his wife date other people too? Yeah, his wife is with someone. Um and but they're like family still, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So even though I think I mentioned she lives out of the country. So um, she lives with her partner. My boyfriend actually introduced the two of them to each other. So, oh, so it's oh, like so a friend she, of his is is her partner. And she, and she lives with him. With her. With her. Yeah. <laughs> she, OK, so she lives with a woman. Yeah. She's married to your boyfriend. Yes. Yeah, I know. And do they still have a... a but they still have like an active marriage when they see each other as well. I mean, I'm not going to like go into the details of their marriage, but they um, they spend a lot of they spend a couple of weeks together like four times a year. Okay, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like each other's family. They they look at you know they look after each other's parents. They you know they own businesses together. Yeah. They. I see. So when you said they're like family before, I I wasn't sure I understood, but now I get it. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, even though she spends more of her time, they spend more of their time away from each other, Mm -hmm. but they don't ever want to get divorced. Right. You know what I mean? They're still like each other's primary person in lots of other ways. Mm -hmm. Uh, In the book, you talk about the beginning, you guys had a set of rules. Yeah. And then by the end, the rules had changed. Yeah. Um, 
one of the rules being don't fall in love with anyone. Right. And, and then you realize that's not really something you can control. But at this point, what are their rules and what are they? Yeah. And, and the, the initial rules, I really think they all boil down to no falling in love. Like every other rule I think was designed to keep the love from happening, mm-hmm. you know, to, to try For to, for example, not spending the night, not spending the night, not seeing, I don't know if I wrote this one in the book, but it was a rule like don't see the same person twice in one week. You know what I mean? Remember, it was, yeah. yeah. Like, but like there were, th- there were things that were about intimacy, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, now that I understand that I can't, not only can I love more than one person, but having a loving relationship outside of my marriage actually makes me love my husband more in some ways. Um, and it just, it kind of takes the pressure off in terms of our, our sex life too. Mm-hmm. Like we, my husband and I have a great sex life still, but as I write about in the book, there are some things that he wants that I don't like. And that gets tricky in monogamy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, either I have to compromise my boundaries or you have to give up on this thing forever. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a rough ask for either person. So this way, both of us win, you know what I mean? In a way that's like really, Great. Um, so all of the, all of the other rules have fallen aside. Our two main rules are to, to be honest with each other, but not in a like asking permission kind of way. It's like he wouldn't make plans on a Saturday because that's our date night mm-hmm. without explicitly asking me. Right. And I wouldn't be like, Oh yeah, I think I'm going to go uh, away for, for, you know, our anniversary weekend with, my boyfriend, because mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, we we respect, we we give each other that respect to not do that. But we're generally very honest with each other about what's going on. The thing is, sometimes I still react. Mm-hmm. And like it happened early on, when I would say, sure, you can do that. You can go out with this person. And then if he would come back and say, oh, yeah, she was so funny. I just went out on this first date. And I'd be like, how dare you tell me she's funny? Like, <laughs> I'm the funny one. Yeah. Like, God damn you, you know, and he would be like, what did I, you know what I mean? Like, I can't tell you anything. And we were having that argument over and over and over because I was insisting on his honesty and then Mm -hmm. getting angry at him every time he told me something I didn't like. So now our new rule is you, you need to be honest with me. You don't have to tell me every last detail, but if you tell me something that upsets me, you have to stay with me as mm-hmm. I work out that emotion. You don't get to say you're being ridiculous and walk away. You have to like, this is the price of admission. Right. Right. So I'm going to have feelings of insecurity at times. I'm going to, you know, feel jealous. You know, all sorts of things are going to come up. Usually those are the two things, <laughs> right, you know, and right. they, they take a different form, but it's really I'm insecure or mm-hmm. jealous or feeling like not attended to or I'm upset about something else. And I just went lashed out at you for this. But you have to stay with me. You can't, um, you know, it, it might, we're, as I said, we're getting better at it. Might just take like 20 minutes now. I might need you to hold me. I might, and, and he used to say like, it's like you want me to hold you, but it's like asking like a porcupine being like, will you like fucking love me? You know what I mean? And it's like, Aww. but we've gotten so much better at me being able to tell him what I need and him being able to give me what I need. Mm. And that's, that's the deal. And that's what's got to happen. And then every time, I mean, I can't think of an instance in the last several years 
where we didn't just like it, the anger that I was feeling didn't just like dissipate because it wasn't about what he was doing. It was about some feeling I had Mm -hmm. that I needed him to take care of me around. Right. Of like abandonment or rejection. Yeah. Right. Um, There's a quote that you mentioned a couple times in the book and it maybe it came from the ethical slot that remind me what it is like jealousy is that jealousy is the mask you the mask you wear to cover whatever else is going on with you right now something like that like it's a mask for other feelings yes and i was like i love that what does that mean yeah right (laughs) right right right. well for me like for like for example if i'm jealous i might say you are such a dick for like not feeding the cat before Mm. you went on a date. Like, how dare you expect me to do this? You know, you're off having, and really, I'm, I'm feeling like pathetic or sorry for myself that I didn't have a date, Mm. or I'm like, I'm worried that you love her more, or, you know what I mean? Kind of like, I've heard this in a different like in a career sense that jealousy or envy shows you what you wish you had for yourself yeah that's in um elise lonan's new book too oh she yeah just interviewed me at the yeah. my la event she's my her. old co-worker and i found oh, her on my wow. show yeah, yeah we still work at time out in new york together oh yeah. very cool but like on her best behavior mm-hmm. she does about yes. all the seven yeah, deadly yeah, yeah. sins so that envy that envy chapter is so good like envy yeah. and lust and anger all really spoke to me um but the envy part, yeah, that when you are envious of another woman in the relationship too, it, it's showing what what you want, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I think also partly it was, I was jealous. Sometimes I was jealous of his feelings for another person, but sometimes I was jealous of his freedom. You know, that he, so? he had the freedom to, or he gave himself the freedom to, let's say, go out. And he would say, yeah, let's get a babysitter if you want to go out too. And I'd be like, no, I need to stay home and take care of the kids, even though Mm -hmm. they didn't necessarily really need me there. And once the kids stopped needing a babysitter and they actually would have a lot of fun, you might be able to start imagining this. And, you know, I Mm -hmm. saw your boys. I I got excited when I read that part in the book, like the idea of the two of them having... Like they not wanting it. a babysitter because they watched they love, them. Yeah. yeah, they loved it when like my oldest would, you know, they would play video games mm-hmm. and that was how my oldest bribed my youngest to do all the things <laughs> that I couldn't, I didn't have a chance of getting him to like jump into the bath and, you know, he would like make him get into the bath and get on his pajamas and brush his teeth and then they could play video games together. <laughs> you know, I'm like, genius. <laughs> and so my whole life opened up when I realized, oh, I don't actually have to be standing over them all the time. And I think I had felt jealous that Stuart always gave himself permission to mm-hmm. go do things. He would go to the gym on a Saturday morning and I'd be like, oh, it must be nice. And he'd be like, you can go to the gym if you want to. They have childcare at the Y. Why don't we just go? He wasn't saying you go to the gym and I'll stay home right. though. And for some reason, I thought that was like, no, we can't do that. Yeah. I don't know why. I made my, I gave, I made myself crazy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just thinking like, me, anyone listening, if you if your wife just had a baby, do not go to the gym. <laughs> don't go to the gym. Just don't at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, right. If she can't go to the gym, nobody goes to the gym. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, I've had guys like over the years on on OkCupid or whatever being like, oh yeah, you know, yeah, we've been in an open marriage for two years. My wife's pregnant now. 
like so she's she's not doing anything but it, she says it's still cool for me and i'm like Mm-mm-mm-mm, not cool nope yeah. and i've given that advice to men more than i'm like a i'm not gonna date you b i suggest you get off this app and stay off for two years mm. and if you want to still be married two years from now you know um because i just don't think I think there are enough things where the biology of motherhood is is real if you're actually giving birth to your child, which is not always the case. But um, if if you are giving up your body mm. in that way, it's it's just not cool. Like yeah, there's got to be right. there's got to be a little bit more equity there. And so I and I have had guys come back two years later, maybe they just still wanted to go out with me. I don't know. But they were like, you were right. I, you know, I've only had, I'm two for two though. I told two guys and they both came back later and said like, that was a really good piece of advice. It is. Yeah. Um, does it bother you or how does it not bother you to picture <laughs> your, or at the beginning, picturing your husband with another woman? Oh, it really bothered me. It really bothers me. But does it me. now? It doesn't, but partly because I just don't picture it. Mm. You know what I mean? And that's also kind of a Byron Katie idea as mm-hmm. well. She would say, like, it's none of your business what they do. What you're, You know what I mean? And I actually believe that now. Mm-hmm. I believe that, like, I don't picture my friends having sex either. You know what I oh, mean? Oh, I don't either. You know, it's like, <laughs> some people might, some people might, like, I also don't like to watch porn. Mm-hmm. That's like kind of a weird thing for me. But like, if I'm not part of it, I'm not really interested in it. Right. So, but that's just how I'm wired. So it's like, I can kind of, I now kind of choose what I'm going to think about or not think about. And it used to be like, I couldn't stop myself mm-hmm. from thinking about it. And it was so horrifying to me. I think partly it doesn't bother me anymore because, and I don't have to like will myself so much, like, no, don't think about it. Because for A, I've got other things on my mind. Mm-hmm. I, I've got other storylines other than like what my husband's up to. Right. You know? And B, we've had enough time now that it's like he continues to choose me mm-hmm. and I continue to choose him. And we do still have a great sex life. And sometimes I'm like, sometimes I guess if if I do start to picture that, sometimes what I what I will do is picture them doing the thing that I don't like doing and being like, and then I actually feel like they talk about compersion. I yeah, you mentioned in the book, compersion is like the opposite of jealousy. Opposite it's where of jealousy. You're happy for the happy for your at your husband's or your partner's happiness. Sometimes for people, it's a sexual thing mm-hmm. where they get turned on by them right. being with. And I don't get turned on, but I do feel happy. I'm like, oh, that's nice. And maybe, maybe he's getting to like do the thing where he like he likes to like shout, you know. Not nice words mm-hmm. that I'm and not going to say that make me it. super uncomfortable. The C like, word. The C word. And a lot of like, apparently there are women who love it. I'm not one of them, mm. you know? And it's like for him, he would say, it just comes out. It's like Tourette's. He has like sex Tourette. You know what I mean? <laughs> and for him, it was like the effort it took to not <laughs> say it would take him out of the moment. That's so interesting. And so... Like, we've worked around that now. And it's like, now that he has that release valve mm-hmm. with other partners, right? He, I don't feel so responsible for it. Mm-hmm. I don't have to change my boundary. Has he said it a couple times in the last 10 years? Yes. 
Have I rolled with it? Yes. You know, it doesn't have the same kind of power it used right. to have. But that's just an example. So like, if my mind starts going there, I'll be like, oh, yeah, maybe he's, maybe he's doing that. And maybe they're <laughs> both having a great that. time. And yeah. like, that does nothing for me. So I'm like, great, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. And I've also met some of his partners. And it's like, that's something that that's ethical slut wisdom, too. They recommend meeting partners so that you're not picturing some idealized version. And sometimes I do get like a wave of especially not all the women he dates are younger than I am. Some are. But you know, as you age as a woman, I'm 51 now, part of me can get like, she's 40. Mm. She's so young. You know what I mean? And 40 year old women. Just know you are very young. Um, and But then I also remember like, God, would I ever want to be 40 again? No, 40 was rough. 51 is freaking amazing. And I am having the best sex of my life. So like, who am I to complain? You know, things are good. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so in the book, and it turns out, you find out that your mom had had an affair. From your aunt. My right? aunt used the word affair. Yes. And then, but after you've already opened, it, it, do I have the chronology right? After you've already opened up your relationship, you find out that it was kind of an open relationship. Your mom had an open marriage as well. Not exactly, because okay. I found out about, um, I found out about my mother when I was still, pre- when I had just newly pregnant with my first child. Um, so my husband and I had done, as I said, like a couple of, like mm-hmm. we did a couple sex clubs, a, thing with a threesome, more like swingery stuff Mm -hmm. than actually an open marriage and certainly not polyamory where we were actually loving other people. Right. So I, we, but we had had that conversation where he was like, you know, if you're attracted to someone, it's okay with me, just tell me. So when my aunt said your mother had an affair, it took me a year to confront my mother. And when I did, she told me, oh yeah, I, I asked, you know, does dad know? And she said, it was your father's idea. And so, but we didn't talk about it in Mm -hmm. detail. I was just like, whoa. So when I met Matt and started that, it I thought back to, I knew this about my mother. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's when I just kind of tiptoed into the conversation with her. But it was still hard for both of us to talk about. I think both of us had some shame around it. Mm -hmm. I think she felt... She's always, you know, she's she's a girl of the 50s. She was very similar to me in that, like, very, very good girl, very virginal when she got married. She was a virgin. Mm-hmm. I was just kind of virginal. Um, and so it was hard for her to talk about sex, period. And for me, I wasn't feeling great about the the way I was going about mm-hmm. our our relationships, whereas I knew my mother was still friends with one of her right. partners at least. And I w- kind of wanted that for myself, I realized. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we kind of tiptoed into the conversations and I learned more as I revealed more about myself to her. What do you make of the fact that you both have been in open marriages? Well, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's like genetic per se, but I think that knowing what I knew about my mom was helpful to me in terms of deciding to pursue it for myself Mm. because my parents are still married. They've been married for almost 60 years. They're very committed to each other. And now what I know is that, you know, they still maintain friendships with their previous like intimate partners. They're not 
sexual relationships anymore. But mm. um, and I think there's something so beautiful about that. And and I had this luxury of when I was starting to explore this idea of having desire outside of my marriage and my husband was encouraging me and I knew the same thing had happened for my parents, I was able to ask my mom, like, will this blow up my marriage? And she would say, oh, no, sweetie, it's fine. Like, just keep talking to each Mm -hmm. other. You'll be fine. And her certainty about that, I mean, just imagine like, you know. Right. That Yeah, I'm kind of wondering if perhaps it was a door you were more inclined to open because there was this model, this Yes. A stamp of approval in a sense. I think so. And a model of a marriage that I that I respected. Like mm-hmm. there were parts of their marriage that I I didn't want for myself, but that I think also still kind of like the gendered roles, mm-hmm. but I think I was emulating that in my own right. marriage as well. Um I hope I've broken that mold a bit with my sons. You know, I think part of when people worry like, oh, but what about your kids? I'm like, I want my sons. They don't know, you know, well, my oldest has read the book, so he knows more details than he wants to. But he said he kind of skipped over the nitty gritty parts is what Mm -hmm. he talked about. And my youngest has not read it. But like they know that I am a a whole person and they're proud of me for writing the book. And um, they're they they have seen into my messy side more than my mother ever allowed me to see. Mm And I think that's important. I think if you show your kids a less sanitized version of yourself, they will show a less sanitized version of themselves to you. Mm-hmm. And that creates stronger bonds, I believe. I want to ask about the mah- Mahikari. Yeah. yeah. I want to ask, ask about that. And then I also want to ask about adapting this for the screen. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about both. Yeah. So your mom is, I had never heard of Mahikari, and I don't, I don't really know much about it. Um, Yeah. Can you explain that? I mean, I wish I could. (laughs) It's like, what I know of it is there's a branch of it that made its way to America, and it's called Mahikari of America. Mm -hmm. And that in what, like the 60s? I think it was more in the 70s, 70s? but I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that. Um, It's sometimes called Tsukiyo Mahikari. And if you look it up today on Google, which I have done, um, some people call it a cult and some people do not. My mother and I still disagree about this. You think it is and she doesn't? Yeah, exactly. But there are also people who are like arguing with their parents about whether Catholicism is a cult. You know what I mean? It's like it's – it's up for debate, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Um, what she would agree with me about now is that she should not have asked me. She asked me to join when I was 10, mm-hmm. and I did. And that was, and, and there was something about my discovering, and it, she got into it initially because of a partner of hers, mm-hmm. right? Was your dad in it? No. Okay. He actually joined when I was in college uh. and that freaked me out. And now both of them are no longer members. Uh. But it was like, I was like, you too? <gasps> but he was doing it to support her. Right. I did it to support her. And I think where what we've talked about since is like she was on, she was seeking, she was kind of searching for mm-hmm. something outside of herself and her open marriage journey and her spiritual journey kind of like overlapped. And that's all well and good. But what upset me as an adult is that she brought me into mm-hmm. it as a child. And she sees that now. In her defense, 
she really thought it was the best thing. And she mm-hmm. was like, oh, I'm spreading light, light. and whatever, <laughs> right? And like, I feel like there are a lot of ways in which people can slip into that now too. Like, for example, I do not feel like transcendental meditation is a cult, but I do TM. And I I have been very careful not to force my kids mm-hmm. to do TM, but my older one did learn when he was 18, though. And he asked me if he could learn and I paid for his like course. And now he sometimes does it and sometimes doesn't. And that's fine. But it's like, I, I'm very hyper attuned to like, own like I, I think that's a big reason why I never wanted to tell my kids about this. And then they ended up finding out because mm-hmm. I was about like, the open marriage. yeah, because I was just like, I can't ever make my thing mm-hmm. their thing. I wanted to like, shield them from myself. Mm-hmm. And I think the I think there's a ha- there's a middle way that is healthier than complete repression Mm -hmm. and complete being like, no, you can't see any part of me. Mm -hmm. I'm just here as a mother figure. Yeah. You know, relating so much to this. Yeah. Or the part of like, sometimes I'm going to get mad at you. And sometimes I'm going to do things that are not necessarily in your best interest, but you'll be fine. And I need to do this for me. You know, (laughs) like, it's like that constant push pull. And I think, I I don't think we do our kids any favors by going too far in either direction. Mm -hmm. I think we're all clear that like, yeah, you can't just like do whatever the fuck you want and and leave them with an empty refrigerator when they're (laughs) like four years old. Like that's negligence Mm -hmm. and abandonment and cruelty. But also you don't have to and you shouldn't for their sake subjugate every every piece of yourself in their interest because what's really in their interest is for you to model what Mm -hmm. healthy adulthood looks like. And I think that's kind of what it, where I've landed now. Mm-hmm. And hopefully I figured it out in time. I think they're both really good kids and um, I'm very proud of them. And I'm also trying to like, I didn't use their real names in the book. I'm trying to like kind of keep them out of the book mm-hmm. life. And they're, they are so involved in their own lives right now. Just think when you were like 19 or 21, how much time did you spend thinking about what your mother was up to? And not probably like not much, right? <laughs> so that is my hope for them, yeah. that they are spending very little time thinking about what I'm up to. So uh, the book has been optioned. Yeah. And you guys are in the process now of adapting it or where? And when how's I say, all that going? Yeah, not, I shouldn't say this is like Mr. Allen is, he will kill me. Um, it's It has not been optioned yet. Oh, okay. um, I have a shopping agreement with to women who I don't I mean I guess I can just say their names right I so. like I know so it's... I've mentioned my so my good friend Izzy who I've mentioned before on the show oh you have is, okay yeah one of the, the she's one of the women, women who's working yes. on it uh to shop it around and what's been really fun about that and there is because then it hit the New York Times bestseller list the book came out January 16th we made our pitch deck in October of 2022 like oh, wow you know it, it, we've been very excited about it for a while um but then, you know, it takes a while for the book to come out and for all the publicity to hit. And then once it hit, it hit the New York Times bestseller list. Now, all of a sudden, like, all these people are reading it. It's super exciting. Um, but it was really fun working on the pitch deck. And it could still morph into different directions depending on where it goes. Um, but just the freedom to be like, oh, this is based on the memoir. It's not – like, in a memoir, I can't make shit up, mm-hmm. right? In a TV show, they one of them, I think it was Michelle's idea, was like, instead of having two sons 
what if we had, what if you had two daughters? And mm. we make this more of a story because we've got this, the story of your mom and yourself. And then like, I'm like, oh my God, can one of them be named Lila, please? Cause like <laughs> that was my girl name and I never got to use it. And now, and my boys are like, thank God I am not going to be like in this TV show, right. you know, and it, who knows what will actually happen when mm. it gets, but just that freedom to like, be like, what is the story I want to tell? Mm-hmm. I, when you're when you're living a life and telling a memoir, I have to tell this is what happened. And most of it you can't make up. Like mm-hmm. when I told Izzy and Michelle, for example, about the Mahakari storyline for my mother, or like my mother gave her lovers nicknames of Jesus and Buddha, <laughs> they were like, No. <laughs> and you know, they're like, Okay, who is gonna be Buddha in right. this like pitch? You know what I mean? And it's like often truth is stranger than Mm -hmm. fiction and you can't make this stuff up right but to have the flexibility to like tell the story i want to tell um is very cool and it's important to me to 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 be invested in part of this process because it is my life it's Mm -hmm. still based on my life and um i want to i want to help give it shape but it's really exciting to be at this stage is it a what's the format we're we're pitching it as a TV show, but I think it could also go. But like a film. comedy. What do you mean? Or... Yeah, I, th- I mean, there's. I th- come on, it's funny, right? Like, yeah. I feel like there's no way. I feel like sex has to be funny to be real. You know, mm-hmm. if set like good sex is funny, bad sex is funny. Like <laughs> sex is funny. It is, you know, yeah. realistic sex is funny, um, unless it's scary right and and they're right it's like it's like it's either funny or scary right right. um so so we're not writing a horror piece um so i do want it to be funny and i think you know my my husband Stuart, is he used to do stand-up comedy he's hilarious i fancy myself kind of funny um a lot of our situations we found ourselves in Mm -hmm. were hilarious and i do have another book i'm working on now that tells like the next two years Oh, from 2018 to 2020, which is a whole other can of words. Like, so, so more takes place in three parts, and we've kind of pitched that as three mm-hmm. seasons. The part oh, one is season good, yeah. one because it's kind of a different cast of characters yeah. in each part. It tells the story of ten years, so it's like really over time. Um, and then seasons four and five might be the next book. Mm-hmm. Um, and and maybe I'm living season six right now. I don't <laughs> know. Um, but yeah, we're we're thinking kind of. But it, I don't know if it's an hour long, if it's mm-hmm. half hour. I mean, it's going to kind of depend on who where it lands, right? Which How exciting. It is super exciting. exciting. Um, okay, let's switch gears. And now let's do Just Me or Everyone. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me or everyone? Okay, so this is the segment where people share things they think or do and they Ooh. wonder, is it just me or everyone? Do you happen to have one? Oh my God. This is embarrassing. I do New York Times puzzles on the toilet. That's not, that can't be just you. Obviously. Is that too normal? Should I come up with something else? I mean, if you have another one, sure. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. What's something I do? I, um, 
okay, it, it might take four, three or four tries for me to get one that's like really good. Cause like I mean, the one that's coming, like the ones that come to my head aren't necessarily like amazing, right? Okay. I am so insane about tennis tournaments. Like I love the major tournaments, like mm-hmm. Wimbledon, Australian Open. I will sometimes avoid leaving my house during especially like semifinals and finals in case someone might tell me spoilers because I have them <laughs> this taped. Is a good one. Okay. Cause like, and when my kids were little and I was teaching full time, I would just like tape everything. I would again, like sleep very little cause I would like stay mm-hmm. up all night watching these matches. And then if I heard anybody even say like, like, if somebody's name was Dennis in the room and I thought maybe someone had said tennis, I'd be like, <laughs> la, 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 la. And I'd like scream at people. Once my department chair at school said, oh, did you watch the Murray match? And I was like, fuck you. <laughs> I didn't know if he made it past the quarters. And now I know he's in the semis. Mm. How dare you? You know what I mean? And this is like my boss. And it's like, <laughs> I just like saw red. So I don't know that, other people do that. I don't do that because I'm a person who I don't, I read the last page. I don't mind spoilers. Oh, I I'll read spoilers. a synopsis and I'm not into sports, but you can, I'm sure you're not the only one. I feel okay. like there's a lot of people who like will DVR games. And yeah. Then, yeah. And it's I've, like two weeks at a time is the problem. It's like, like my kids will be like, oh my God, it's the French open. I like, can we leave and go? <laughs> live somewhere else for a while but yeah you yeah know. i've n- I've never done it with tennis but i've definitely done it with i mean uh yeah uh certain i used to be more into football but yeah i'll do it with wrestling sometimes i'll do it with uh even tv shows if i'm like super into a tv show yeah. I, i'll even like go so far as to like block certain people on social media yes. for a little while just because yes. i'm like i don't want to act like absentmindedly just open something and oh, see yeah. it yeah Here, here's one that happened too mm. when i was on the dating apps i'm not really doing that these days but it was in my profile that i love tennis and so i went in to like i got a message from someone and they said something in their they message to it. me that was a spoiler and so <laughs> i like who knows maybe this man would have been like a lovely partner for me, but I will never know because I was like, fuck you. How dare you tell me what just happened? Now I'm blocking you. And like, I hope you're happy. You ruined my day. Mm. And meanwhile, honest. he's just like another tennis fan. But like I get like my friends know me now. Like they they're like, she is really scary. Like everybody kind of avoids me during, the, it's like eight weeks of the year too. It's like a lot of time. Do you play tennis? I do, but not very well. <laughs> but like, I like that my it. husband and I do play. Mm-hmm. Um, and you said yeah. your, your celebrity crush was Andre Agassi. Oh God. I mean, there have been several. Andre Agassi then got replaced by Nadal. Mm. And now I hope Nadal is back. I don't know if he's going to be, but I like, I like, um, the balding scrappy guys yeah, like okay. that's like 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 i like a husky build my friend wendy revealed on the show that she had a do you remember young john McEnroe? really and i was oh, like yeah. yeah that was my reaction too wow i didn't know anyone had a crush on him <laughs> i bet he didn't know anybody had a crush on him she should give him a call <laughs> yeah. He'd be like, but she's like not now not probably now. not now yeah um but i love alcaraz now too but he's way too young for me i do i i, I have a firm lower limit what is it you know what is it half plus seven i think half plus seven is a good rule but that for me now is like 34 which seems really young yeah you know for like a 
like a, you know, a fling Mm -hmm. I can see, but something long-term, I don't think that would work. I think I'd be bored. Um, Let's do Podcast Pals product picks. Podcast Pals product picks. Love it. (laughs) This is Uh, so exciting. I didn't, because I just like got signed, you know, to, to do this. So I didn't have time to like listen so i didn't know about all these segments wonderful okay (laughs) we're gonna wing it okay it's exciting Um, yes so this is where you share with us uh products that you love oh you use either either things you use daily or just things you just love things you just discovered it really can be anything it could be like technology skincare Mm. hair products okay makeup sure nothing like that it could be any something in the kitchen i love chapstick that's like great. I buy, I just bought like another three pack because mm-hmm. there are some of my jackets have some pockets mm-hmm. without a chapstick you in them. I need sense. a chapstick, right? It yeah. does. It makes yeah. sense. It just makes sense. Now we're just like the black tube, just regular Mm-mm. blue, no. blue. What, but it can't be medicated. One? It can't be the light blue one. It has to be the darker blue mm-hmm. with some SBF in it. Oh, that's what that one has. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. But the medicated one is too much. The um, black one is too waxy. Yes. I don't know. I feel like it's not soft at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah. So it's got to be um, a black one. And then in terms of makeup, mm-hmm. I made this discovery pretty recently. And this is kind of gross, but I'm going to share it. I got this sty in my eye mm. l- last summer. And... I had to throw out all of my like mascara. I had like kind of fancy mascara, but mm-hmm. like I it was getting it was getting gross. Like it I like hang it, on I, yeah, I hang out on too way long. too long. And so then I was looking up hypoallergenic mascara and eyeliner and I found Burt's Bees. I didn't know they make mascara and Burt's eyeliner. Burt's Bees makes eyeliner and mascara what? and it is know. better what? than a lot of other really expensive ones in my opinion. This is a shock. This is shocking. I me. mean, I'm glad that I'm, you know, because I think Spreading they're like the an ethical company, yeah. too. I think they're like a good company and mm-hmm. they're not that expensive. Right. And it is hypoallergenic. And now I am a, a big convert. believer. I'm a convert. All right. Yep. We got it. Burt's Bees, mascara and eyeliner. Yep. And a dark blue chapstick. Dark blue chapstick. Yeah. Yep. What else? Um, For food, I love... um. I mean, do it, does it have to be a product that other people can like easily access? Not really. Okay. Well, if you're ever in Brooklyn, in your in Park Slope, go to Cafe Martin on Fifth Avenue. My friend does own it. But also, I go there every morning almost, especially mornings that she's working there. She mm-hmm. works there like five months. First of all, she has the best matcha. Like she gets it from Japan and it is the best and she makes it with almond milk and honey and it's so good and then she has these vegan banana nut gluten-free muffins i'm not vegan but i'm gluten-free they're amazing and then she steams her hard-boiled eggs she has like a little steamer and she gets them from the food co-op which is Mm -hmm. like everyone in park slope except me belongs there (laughs) and they're like it's like the best produce Mm -hmm. and so you can get steamed hard-boiled eggs these gluten-free muffins and a matcha latte and it's the best breakfast at Cafe Martin on Fifth Avenue in Park Slope. Excellent. I'm trying to think. Anything else? Anything that like relates to having an open marriage? What could it be though? Right. Exactly. I mean, I'm kind of like, I'm not super into toys and lube and things like that. Oh, can I, I mean, how graphic graphic do you want me to get? As graphic as you want. Okay. 
there is this blanket on Amazon that's like a pet blanket. A pet blanket. It's like one of their more popular blankets, like for people with like dogs. Oh, okay. I use it as a sex blanket. You know what I mean? Like when you've got the fluids or you've got period or whatever, Mm -hmm. it comes in a brown or a dark blue. I find it very useful. And so I... This is great. I bought one for home Mm -hmm. and then I made my boyfriend buy them too. (laughs) And so, and then I have one more just in case I ever end up on the go somewhere. They're like, they're the best. Now, what makes them pet grade? I don't, I mean, they're just very um, waterproof. Okay. So I guess like if your dog like pees on mm-hmm. things, I think that's what they're designed for. Got it. That it's like protective of your furniture. Interesting. Or your bed. Yeah. In my case. I have found doggy, like puppy pads yeah. were very helpful postpartum. <laughs> and that's pretty much what they use at the doctor's office, but I don't think they're actually ones for dogs, right. but like they're always laying right. those pads down. I and you like know what? would be kind of the same thing. Yeah. But these ones can like go in the wash. Right, right, right. Easily. And I do because I'm like perimenopausal, I get night sweats too. So sometimes I just sleep on one. Like that's why I do have more than one in rotation, but I wash them immediately. Can we talk about the night sweats? Okay. I know. That's a whole I, other thing. They have just started Oof, for me. I'm sorry. Um, May I ask how old you are? I'm 48. Oh, wow. You look great. Thank you. I was going to guess like 41. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, But (laughs) (laughs) And that's only because you've clearly like lived enough to be this cool. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I would have guessed in your 30s based on how you look. Stop. <laughs> you're gonna be you're gonna be on every week i think oh my god um thank you very much you're but, very welcome but, okay but they just started that's good mine started when i was 41 so here's the thing though i was waking up every morning like just just oh drench yes so gross like i have to change the bed and the mattress pad yeah, and everything i've soaked the, through i'll i'll text you with these, do. these doggy yeah. blankets <laughs> they double I, that's what i bought it for originally mm-hmm. for my night sweats and then i was like oh this makes a really good sex blanket too so but then i adjusted thermostat so oh. that it doesn't come on Unless it goes below sixty five, and now they've stopped. Oh, okay. So that's I'm good. like, maybe they, those weren't night sweats. Mm, I don't so, know if you're if you're like soaking everything. That sounds is. like I don't yeah. get them all the time. Yeah, what I, are yours like? I mean, they come and go. I've literally been in perimenopause for ten years, and it's just like I'm over it. Apparently, it can last up to thirteen years. Oh my god, that's like the upper limit. And I'm still, if I may, do you still have a period? Yes, that's why it's still okay. perimenopause. It's so annoying. Yeah. Um, but yeah, sometimes I've I, I've had nights where I've had to change two or three times during the night. That happened to me a couple times. Yeah, yeah it's like horrifying, mm-hmm. you know. And then it's just so disruptive. Um, I haven't now. I tend to only get them if I'm about to get my period, which is helpful because I don't get it every month anymore. I was having them, and then I got my period. Yeah, maybe. It yeah. Was so sometimes it's just like a hormonal. Like I I think of perimenopause. Sorry for all of this information. He loves right. it. I've worked you, here for years. You now. must be <laughs> okay. It's I think it's good for men to know yeah. like what we go through. Mm-hmm. I think of it as like almost like an everything must go sale for your body. <laughs> you're just like you're just like getting wrong. Yes. Out. And the periods get weird too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mine it's are just... sort of like um <laughs> ev- not 
like sometimes they'll be regular and then sometimes I'll go a few months without one and they're also like very heavy right. sometimes. And yeah, you're like, I'm, I mean, I'm not making light of miscarriage, but I'm like sort of like, did I just, you know. Right, what just happened? Yeah, it's like yeah. crazy. What I don't understand is I'm a very light sleeper. Uh-huh. So why, how long, like I'll wake up, like how long have I been sweating? <laughs> like, right. why did why did I not wake up at the beginning of being or or did it just warm. or did or it did just, just go like sprinkler? I don't understand it. <laughs> I don't. And either. it's, it's mostly it started and it was mostly just my crotch. I was like, what? Yeah. Sometimes okay, so that's just well, yeah. just my underwear. I need to change, and up top it's dry. Right. That's how it started. Just <laughs> primarily just a crotch sprinkler. Action. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'll get just like one armpit, and like okay. one armpit will smell terrible when I yeah. wake up, and I like was clean when I went to right, sleep. Right, yeah. And then I wake up and I reek, but just on one side. That hasn't happened to me, <laughs> but I look forward to that. But then the the most recent one was like the oh, back of my neck. Yeah, your like hair. like down my spine. Yeah, it's like, like yeah. you've just been to the gym and right. you have like yes. that sweat bo- at the back of your head. Yeah, yeah. so... I know. And I'm not like a big sweater in general because I'm not, I don't move around a lot. I try not to. <laughs> yeah, right. Like to stay very still. Yeah, I'm very, but I'm like beyond sedentary. Not really, but you yeah. know, but yeah. So waking up, I, I just, it's the most my body has ever sweat. Yeah. It's really weird. And then you're like, how is there any moisture left in me? Yeah. You know, I do drink a lot of water. Good. You know, let's 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 drink to that. Yeah. Right now. We've got Cheers to drinks. that. I know. Seriously. Let's um, hydrate everybody. Even Tony's. Yeah. yeah I'll join in. <laughs> I know but it makes you now, thirsty to talk about being so sweaty. But for now, the thermostat trick has, but it might just be like a band aid. We'll see mm. where it goes. Here's the thing, too. In my ten years of dealing with this shit, and my period was always weird since it started when I was twelve. I've never had. Oh, you've never had normal period. I mean, only when I was on the pill. Okay, which sucks. Um, I hate the pill. Yeah, I hate the pill too. But that's all. It was. Anyway, the point is, it goes, it comes, things change. Mm-hmm. Like just when you think you've got a handle on it, it can go in a different direction. I don't know. I, I it's nothing comforting to right. tell you. Yeah, but I think it's preferable. Excuse me. I think it's preferable to hot flashes during the day. Yes. Have you had any of those? Um maybe like once or twice. Yeah. So I, I have I them have. very infrequently, but like when you're, I used to like do these teacher trainings mm-hmm. and they'd be like six hours long and I'd be like in front of a group mm-hmm. and like, and all of a sudden I'd be like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Like I would just have to like, <laughs> so I always wear a tank top underneath mm-hmm. whatever else I'm wearing. I've got one on right now because I never know when I'm going to just have to like take it off and be free. Right. And that's like harder to do and look professional at the same time. There are hormones and things that you can take to like even it out, right? That's what I've heard. And part of me, like, here's the thing. For for me now, my because my period is irregular, the night sweats are a pretty good predictor that it's coming. Mm-hmm. And then I know to be prepared. Right. Like, I'd almost rather have that. Mm-hmm. And then maybe it would take care of other things. I don't know. I was also on the pill for a very long time, so I feel like I pumped a lot of hormones into right. my body, and I kind of want to be off those. I emailed my doctor and then my my gynecologist, um, and then his assistant called and said to make an appointment, 
But then I had just figured out the thermostat trick. So I'm like, yeah, I'm yeah, good. Yeah. That's always what happens to me too. Like it'll be really bothersome right. and then I'll ask a question and then there'll be like one more step I have to take mm-hmm. and then it it, w- it won't happen for a few months. Right. And I'm then, sure it'll happen again and then I'll go in to see what's up. You like, I know I have friends who have done things that have helped. I Maybe I'm just Do you too know lazy. What, what it was? I can't remember. There's something, there's some like, Listeners, if anyone knows what we're talking about, there's some I've heard of women being on hormone pellets. Have you heard this? Pellets? Yeah. That's like a rabbit. Right. <laughs> they take a little bit of rabbit food and they stick in the, and, I, I re, and there's actually like pellet therapy for men too. It's like Why a does it have to be a pellet? That was my feeling because I read about it and I watched this video where they use like, I think it's called a trocar or something. It's this gigantic, it's essentially like a gigantic needle that's hollow they do you shoot it up your nether parts no no they shoot it in your butt cheek Ooh, oh i wouldn't like that no for a man they put it in the butt cheek for a lady i i don't know where it goes but yes my whole (laughs) thing was like this is there some other way we can do this like a pill or because i just don't want some giant straw stuck in my butt and then a yeah, pellet shot in. It sounds I, horrible. It doesn't sound pleasant. Mm-hmm. I know. None of it's pleasant. It isn't pleasant. It just isn't pleasant. I had an idea that what if we could find a way that it wouldn't be a hysterectomy. It would be what if we could repurpose our uterus oh. as a second bladder? Yes. <laughs> Why has nobody figured that out? Yes, like that a is little, genius. I know. I, though, oh, there's a point in the book where you say ever since kids it takes you like multiple like whatever's to empty your bladder yeah like i can't like yeah, sometimes i'll same. just i feel like i have to pee but i can't pee or i'll pee and stand up and be like i still have to pee a little more yeah right, exactly <laughs> yeah. yeah but like what if there was like some connector that's right a, a urinary bypass <laughs> yeah just bladder like bypass. extra bladder yeah. like i don't need my uterus anymore mm-hmm. no nor do i i'm just saying it's a great idea. Thank you. Thank you. Idea. I have a. <laughs> I have a genius idea. Let's hear it. It's unrelated. Okay. But, and I'm going to give this away for free. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mine. You have to at least footnote me if you decide to make the bladder bypass. You know, I would like some credit. Right. At least call it the Molly. The, the Molly bag. Right. Or something. <laughs> the Molly bag. <laughs> you know, I feel like me saying I don't. I'm going to give it away for free is like you saying you don't care if your husband brings his girlfriend to the house when you actually did care. So uh, I take it back. I you, do, you care. do care. I'm not you... giving this away. This is mine. But if anyone wants to do something with it, just get in touch. <laughs> I feel like some, you know, ever TV dinners from yeah. our youth? Like the Swansons? Mm-hmm. With yes. The, yeah. With the like... Partitions? Yes. And then it had like the little like fruit compote or mm-hmm. brownie or something, some disappointing dessert in the center. <laughs> fruit compote was the, perhaps the most disappointing. Yes. Someone should redo that, make like high-end TV dinners... Uh, that's it. That's the idea. High, <laughs> high end TV dinners, but it'd be like an homage to the TV dinners of our youth, but better. But yes, so it'd be sort of like mm. factor meals or like something like you know ready to, you know, you put them in your refrigerator or your freezer, and it's um, what's the word I'm going for? Microwavable still? Bespoke is the word I'm going for. Bespoke. It's, you know, it's, it's artisanal okay. and it's curated okay. and it's high end. But it appeals to us. Yeah, it could be microwavable, sure. Because okay. I, I 
I rely on my microwave. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Because I don't want to have to dirty a pan. No. It's the same. It's the same. But it's just instead of like Swanson's frozen dinner, it's delicious food. But it's we. But it's nostalgic. I like that. Because I've done things. I'm going to work on my pitch. I've done things with like... There's this thing called Kettlebell Kitchen that I did like through my gym, but it was like paleo. Right. It wasn't good. No. It was like... This is nostalgia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I wanted to taste really good. That's what I'm too. saying. Too. And it, yeah. this was just kind of like, I don't know, it was just like always kind of similar flavors. Right. Really what I would really like is a personal chef who makes me food and then cleans I afterwards. I mean, this is like that. Minus the chef and the cleaning. <laughs> <laughs> really what I want, I've often said, like, I would like a wife. Mm. I feel like you're, like, in the, the right pool for getting something know, like that. I know, I know. No, no. This is why I, I do have, like, the boyfriend who cooks is is clutch. Mm-hmm. I need that. Yeah. it's I, You need someone in your life to pamper you and take care of you. And my husband tries. He's just not a good cook. But now you have one, so. Yeah, I'm you're good. You're all set. I'm all set. All set. Molly, it was so nice talking to you. So fun Thank talking you to you. So you are much. my new best friend. Thank you. How um, did you know? That I was going to be your new best friend? Yeah. I just like- had a feeling. <laughs> I just had a feeling. I would like to tell everyone I'm on Patreon. 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 Patreon.com slash Allison Rosen. Check it out. There's episodes of The Friend Zone, my bonus Patreon podcast. There's lower you can text me. I'll text you back. All sorts of behind the scenes content, access to me and more. Patreon.com slash Allison Rosen. Go for an annual subscription and get two months free. Wow. 15% off. And then also I'm on Substack. You're on Substack I'm too, on right? Substack. Yeah. yeah, I'm new to Substack. I'm... I I started it a couple years ago, but then I like didn't do anything with it. And it's just recently I've been telling the story of uh, how I felt. It's a long, insane story of not knowing I was Jewish until after college and then finding out. Yeah. And so I've been telling it in little installments. Um, and I've been uh, enjoying like I've never written about it before. So I've been enjoying writing about it. So uh, AllisonRosen.substack.com. And then also my book was re-released for the five year anniversary with new material, tropical attire and courage and other phrases that scare me. To- you can get to all of this. AllisonsLinks.com. <laughs> I like that title. Thank you. And make sure you get more a memoir of open marriage. Um, Thank you. Tell them uh, plug anything else you'd like to plug. No, I mean, you can find my book, you can find links to my Substack and other things on my website, which is mollyrodenwinter.com. And uh, yeah, there's only like five Substacks I've written so far, but I'm writing about the journey of putting this book into the world because it's been kind of madness. So I I just do one like every two weeks because okay. just to like give updates on like, okay, yeah. this is the crazy thing that's happening now. I need to catch up on it. <laughs> they're quick reads. I'm writing them like they're like five minutes to read, you know? Elise Lunin, I think, was like, like five paragraphs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I might, I feel like are longer, but they're still fairly short. So yeah. Um, Tony, what about you? Uh, same old stuff right now. Instagram at Tony Thaxton and Bizarre Albums every Tuesday. I do have some shows coming up eventually, but I it's too far away right now. Wait, All what right. kind of shows? Can he's I? He's a rock musician. <gasps> rock musician. Ooh, what do you play? What do you do? Drums, Drums. Mm-hmm. Nice. He's nice. in a band called Motion City Soundtrack. Oh, I feel like I've heard of that. Huh. I might have. It's uh-huh. possible. It's possible. All right, I'm gonna check a- you out. <laughs> <laughs> he has a gold record. Whoa. All right. Okay, definitely checking you out. Second one coming. And he's got a second one. But I Damn. like to pretend that his gold record is fake because <laughs> it might just be fake. <laughs> what is it actually painted in? 
what is it actually painted in? Yeah, like the gold record that I saw on Zoom, like that has no real gold on it, right? Oh yeah, it's twenty four karat. <laughs> yeah, I have. I don't know. I don't Fake. know. Yeah, no gold. It could be gold plated. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I just am stoked to have Listen, one. Listen, I've got a small bone to pick with you. Hmm. What now? <laughs> on, <laughs> okay, on the episode with Daniel and me, mm-hmm. where we wondered if there was a band called Therapy, uh-huh. and then there was, and then I played it, and then he's like, I don't like this. The drums sound too thin. Uh-huh. And then I said, I think that's because they're using a piccolo snare. Mm-hmm. I I think that sounds like you know things. I, I mean, I, I don't know if I do or not. Okay, well, so, it's convincing me. And then I wanted Tony to weigh in on whether that's a thing, and that might be why the drums sound thin. And I said to play a drop to let me know. And then you <laughs> played the Tony Faxton drop, which of was so I did. predictable. You, yeah, exactly. That's like why I do it because I know it's just going to drive so me nuts. I did drive me nuts. <laughs> so, but was I right or not? Your job is not on the line. I, I don't do know, you know for sure. Um, but I'm is not... a piccolo snare a term? Yeah, it is. It is a snare. They're much. Uh, thinner. They're not yeah. as deep I think as three three eleven does use one. I believe so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It it could be. I'm just. I'm not. Uh, I don't really nerd out on gear too much, so I, I'm not positive. Okay. It's, it seems like it was walking the line. I could see it going either way. It could just be a snare cranked up really tight. Mm, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Very diplomatic again. It's so annoying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. This was thank delightful. You. Listeners, a lot of fun. Thank you for listening. I love you. You matter. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen show? 